0: There's some niggas with purposes out here there's, like, bro, man's not an idiot, fam. You know what I'm saying? Get me? So what am I doing wasting my time in country or on ends? Get me? Doing all this shit when there's there's places, handing out money. The same money I'm going to go risk my freedom for and risk my, oh, you know what I was there? Go to war about, bro, with the right moves and the right talking to people. Some guy in a suit, you talk to him the right way, he might just say to you, I'll give you 10 grand to, 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 to start something, you feel me? But you're gonna go do 30 days in country, you feel me? Or on the ends or wherever it is, up and down, sweating. Fucking desire to inspire podcast. I'm Jerome, I'm a youth mentor, entrepreneur, and I'm here to bring in my life, bring in my world, talk about what I do and why I do it, drop a lot of jewels and a lot of gems. And if you take 20% of what I say and apply it, you definitely make some change in your life. So yeah, like. I'm back from podcast, back recording, and this is a topic that I really, really wanted to kind of do for like a long while, and I feel like I'm sitting on it for a good while, um, because it's kind of connected to what I'm doing and what I'm building, so I didn't really want to kind of talk about it without having input, but I feel like I, I'll do like a part two or a branch off uh, with guests, but today's just about me, so yeah, man, like reflection, always got to do that, you know, we're going to have like a, what do they call it, a pit of the week, you know, and, a, you know, something that you can actually, Look at and something that can actually that's going well in the in the peak of the week and the pit. So I'm going to start doing stuff like this. So I feel like the peak of the week for me is like generating a new idea, which I'm going to put out there now. It's like having a youth boot camp. I think that's amazing. I feel like it could be a weekend. It could be a week. Take, Take them away. No phones. Five simple rules. Strict. Create boundaries. You know. So that's where I'm at with it, and I feel like a lot of the children I work with need that. Um, specifically, you know, 12 to 15 years. Man, this is like such a development part. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, you know, when I'm working with the youth, um, I'm high on youth engagement. So I remember someone saying today, like addressing like youth violence, for instance, which is the top of the podcast is like, we got to speak, rather speaking about the youth, we got to speak to the youth. Um, and trust me, man, there's so much like, um, I don't know what the right word is. I feel like it's just like, Maybe in denial or just um ignorance, but if you want to work if you want to work like with the youth, you you've got to be able to engage them um in what you're doing, and you know so for me anyway, like that's what I'm on. I'm always on reflection tip, I'm always thinking about, okay, cool, that was a great part of the week. and then um, yeah, like when I'm thinking about like the the pit, maybe like the pit, and I don't think there was really a pit of the day, man. I feel like today was a good day. Um, a rest day for the gyms I didn't go gym today woke up obviously had a nice day at work today was a great day um and I'm ready to go again for tomorrow man and um I really you know i'm happy I'm happy where I'm at right now and I need to really build so yeah man like today the topic is cSU violence, man it's it's looking at the whole picture it's looking at everything that I go through and um be able to best understand it and um I don't know, man, where, where I should really start. Um, I'm going to do some quotes <clears throat> um, and kind of talk about what I feel that it means to me in terms of uh, the topic today. So my biggest driver, the one thing I want to practice, the one thing I want to be able to do is create a village. And it takes a village to raise a child, man. I, I think I've always said this, and it's something that really needs to be pushed. So the best thing about working in schools is that we're working with adults to work with children and young people. That's a skill in itself. You have to know how to work with people that have their own issues, that come to work with problems that they don't talk about. You've got to be able to deal with people's highs and lows um, because they're the ones that are surrounding the youth. So for me, I, I always exercise like, okay, I'm going to use you, put you here, you're here. You know, I'm, I'm resurfacing practicing chess. And I look at la- life like that and working with the youth like that. I don't feel that like anyone, no matter how strong you are, and great you are, everybody can't do it on their own because the ratio of the students, the students, and, the, and the, you know it's very difficult. So I try my best to say, okay, you're doing that, but everyone has a role to play. You know, a basketball team isn't just one person with a one position. Everyone's got different positions and they play in a team and they work together. So like, even yesterday when I done the Year 7 Basketball Club, it was amazing because sports is amazing. You can, you can build that self-esteem. You can even let kids that don't you know, get things their way. Learn life skills through basketball. Like, you know, there's one kid who, like, didn't want to play on the same team. Again, it's about fairness. Everyone put their hand up. And he was outvoted. And he had a little struck. And everyone was playing. I went up to him calmly. I was like, "Like, life's not w- what about what you want. When you're ready to play, come and play. And then he sat there. He probably thought about it. came and played again. Scored. But yes, you know, giving him that self-esteem. You know, this is going to go back into it. Like, you know, what we're really dealing with with these kids, man. It's really, like, building up their... Self-esteem. I think for the for the for the idea about the youth coaching, like the sorry, the youth um, boot camp, is going to be a self-esteem driver. Every day, it's about boosting that. So, anyway, like the village is really about everyone coming together, and that's the problem with organisations. We need to come together, and everyone has a specialised skill. We all work together to support young people. So that's what I'm on. That's what I'm on championing. And you know, when they say the the children are the future, that's another line. Like What does that mean? For me, I feel like every generation people are growing older, right? And the young ones are going to be taken over at a certain point. So that's why it's so key. Like, whether you want to admit it or not, adults, they're looking up to us, they're looking uh, for our guidance, looking for our advice, and they want someone to really show us the way. People that have been, you know, your age and people that know, not even know better. I don't even figure that line that, oh, we know better. I believe we just have more life. We've lived longer, so we can experience, we can give you advice based on experience. Um, so, you know, that's another line as well. So um, yeah, those are just the few quotes that I wanted to put out there for today. Um, and yeah, we're gonna talk about serious youth violence and um, kind of, you know, looking at the data as well. Like we don't wanna just sit there and be like, okay, we're gonna go off our, um, you know, our perspective and our ideas and what we think and our opinions, the data. So I was just talking about London and um no this is about serious youth violence affecting young people in london specifically so we're going on statistics now so i've got literally a report in front of me um that i've got and i'm going to wheel off a few things that's on it so we can go, and i can kind of like talk about it a little bit so this is a report that focuses on one aspect you know there's so many aspects uh for violence right so the main thing really um there's like four things um in the report which is domestic violence which is I'm going to just talk about that one thing in particular because I feel like if you're growing up seeing like your parents' domestic abuse or even if your parents are arguing in front of you, that's, that's a form of emotional abuse. So we really got to understand that, you know, whatever we do, we're a model for the kids regardless if we like it or not, like I said. So all of these things can affect the development of a child from young, even if stuff after subconscious. <laughs> <clears throat> I feel like that's something that you really got to watch. So I feel like for parents, this is not even advice, but I like, and I, I I ain't a parent, so people might say I'm not a parent, but I'm just saying that swearing, drinking, just anything that you feel like, oh, okay, this child's going to be a sponge, because they are, especially when they're young, towards my behavior, really be aware of that. Really understand that. Literally, everything you do, they, they probably think is gospel. And I don't talk too much about my upbringing, but I remember growing up seeing like adult smoke and this, not knowing it was illegal, when I smoked, I thought you could just smoke, so, um, that's another thing as well, that really is part of it, so, you know, domestic violence and something that I've seen, just, just abuse, when I do my safeguarding training, it's the four types of abuse, which is physical, which is the main part of it, uh, there's emotional, and then there's sexual, these are the highest ones that cause a lot of children to be removed from their home, because there's all of these things that affect, you know, um, a child's stability and structure throughout their life, let's just call it that. There's, there's, there's neglect, so there's neglect, which is obviously physical as well. You can have the physical neglect and you can have an emotional neglect. Um, and then again, we're going back to what I just said before about the domestic violence, which is the household dysfunction, which would be giving mental illness in parents. Um, it can be actually childhood trauma that your parents haven't recovered from and you're just born into that. So, you know, divorce, even people having children at a wetlock, that's massive. That is a massive part. Like I remember reading a study about like how complex family situations causes children um, to not really understand a sense of belonging, sense of like, you know, family is the first community you're born into. So if there's dysfunctional there, trust me, your mind's going to be very difficult. So anyway, man, like we're looking at like what will cause a child to kill a child. That's what we're really looking at. We're really looking at the risk factors of involvement in youth violence, which um, overlap with uh, risk factors of adverse physical and mental outcomes. It root causes, I'm big on root cause, I'm big on the why, I'm big on understanding, right? So how can we prevent? Prevention is better than cure. And again, I'm going to break down a few things in this podcast about everything surrounding youth violence. What's going to cause a child, I'm always going to put it there because they're young, right? To kill another child, you know? Knives don't kill people, people kill people. So you've got to really understand the family that we're born into, you've got to understand the community that were born into, just look at the whole context, you know, it's called contextual safeguarding, we gonna look at the community, the home, the school, the family, everything really in terms of the development, the upbringing of these young people. So anyway, like I said, we're going to go through the data, the data and intelligence, and we're really going to look at like, for me anyway, um, long and short-term solutions um to kind of look at you know evidence-based um case studies and examples to tackle the problem this is where i am now and it's very difficult because it might be something that only takes effect in a few years um so right now we're looking at early intervention which is kind of what i've split my mentoring into which is like kind of like in my in my experience i'm looking at as someone that wants intervention but it's gonna take time and someone has referred themselves that actually really wants support and really wants help. Um, so yeah, that's really about it, really. And um that's what I'm trying to really understand and obviously um get youth to do what they wanna do and understand um what their interests are in life. That's something that's kinda of driven by my mentoring as well. But we've got to get the foundation right. The foundation isn't right, you can't even get to the step two, three and four. So um, right now, I'm going to just um, go through um, some of the things. These are percentages now. These is, this is something that um, we're acting off to guide us. Um, so 50%, right? This is case 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 definition incident. 55 of uh, serious youth violence is wounded offences. Means people are actually getting stabbed far enough to bleed. Uh, these aren't just little cuts. Uh, 46 increase in um, incidents of youth violence. And this is from 2013 to 17, which you get notified to the police. So that sometimes people get stabbed where they, it's not even a police inquiry because the person doesn't want to say or they don't know or so many issues. So 46% is only going to the police and 42% is as bad um, as going to hospital. So these are high percentages, by the way. So this is big for me, right? So the time that these are happening, remember, police record these things as a matter of a protocol, as a matter of the law. So school-age children, the highest, right, of getting stabbed or being stabbed, yeah, so it's always on both sides, from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. on weekdays, right, and from 18 to 24 year olds, it's a 6 to 12 o'clock all day, clear peak Saturday and Sunday night. So again, when I'm looking at the youth. Uh, center. I'm trying to look at the whole, you know, go straight from school. Somewhere safe they can go before their parents come from work. And remember, we're we're supporting the family too. We're probably supporting the mother and the family and the dads and stuff more because they're the adults um, and they need support as well. They they are part of the village, you know. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff here um, happens obviously at night time. We understand that. So we need places that... Safe places that children can go to in this time. So now I'm looking at Pacifics. Um, this is this is massive for me anyway because I'm a male. 86% of CSU violence um, is made by men. Um, black young people are overrepresented in both victims and perpetrators of serious violence. This is massive for me because just the other day my friend was telling me about somebody, some guy from my older, some guy, some sorry, some older from my area, who just got 26 years, was doing it from me, he was a teenager. And now, like, all you see is black faces, black faces, black faces. Yeah, we see Asians, we see other races, but it's always really, and black males specifically, they're the highest in population and the lowest in employment real line that's a real line so i want to be able to again understand the factors so obviously as we know childhood adversity kind of some of the stuff i talked about looked after children man most people that are in jail had some sort of issue at home and wasn't much stability um poverty and massive you know if your parents can't afford to put a meal in the table that can cause a lot of stress for you as well even though you're not providing that can cause a stress because that's, that's part of your need not being met and that's a basic need that's a bottom need and I feel for me I'm going to go over the seven needs as well um, is that um, when the when the foundation isn't met the other things are very 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 difficult to, to implement um, very very difficult to implement so um, again this is all I'm about is prevention um, so early when I say early we're talking about primary school before secondary school Right, so early year um, enrichment programs again, part of what I'm trying to do as well. I'm much working with 12 to 15 AM now, but I'm saying that I have a um, primary school background. So again, if you can get some of the early years started in terms of everything that we just talked about, because some people are experiencing youth violence, unfortunately. I mean, domestic violence, unfortunately, younger than the ages of 10. Um, parent support program is massive. I think it's more massive for the complex family situations. Not everybody's married, not everyone's in love, not everyone's raising a family with a joint unit. And that is massive for mothers. And you know, you have challenging children and you need, you just need the support. Schools can only do so much. Um, so again, having, having stuff to support the parents is probably as important as working with the youth. Um, again, positive school environments. A lot of school environments are negative. Um, improving community resilience again having community projects coming together have decent adequate housing a lot of them are really living um, real poverty you know where, where they're home and like I said the basic needs aren't met and we obviously we're in the day and age of mental health 30 years ago we were talking about children's mental health next week um, I'm part of the school cabinet in my school at the moment and we're talking about children's mental health massive Um, And the main thing for me in looking at it is tackling drug supply, you know, looking at like the kids going out there, selling drugs, getting arrested for drugs. We've got to take the drug out of their hand and put a hat, put trainers, put something that they can make a business out of. Because drug dealers are naturally entrepreneurial, right? But it's about knowing that we can put that effort into something else that's illegal. We don't have to go and get... um, Arrested for these things. So everything I just mentioned was primary prevention. This is about tackling root causes. The second one is secondary prevention, which is managing risk factors. So, um, you know, improving trust with the authority, make sure the police have a better, um, you know, relationship with the community. Like even myself, like I look at it like even I'm not, you know, I'm not authority. I'm, I mean, I'm not the police, but I'm authority in the school. So it's about letting to understand and try. We're here for your good. We're not here to stop the fun and stop you doing this. At the end of the day, there's rules and regulations in life. This is the school. This is the preparation. This is the guide to getting there. Um, and again, not tolerating school school exclusions. I think, like, obviously I'm big on that. I work in schools. You know, we've moved now um, from permanent exclusions not being a thing to manage moves, which is good. Um, but we still have problems with approves, approval referral units and um, APs, which is alternative provision. So... A lot of children will just not function in mainstream education. They need a formal structure that's around behavior, that's around structure. Um, And school isn't for that. It's about the natural curriculum, it's about grades, and it's about passing exams. So if we can split that into giving them real life skills that can actually help them function in society, that's massive. Um, And yeah, tackling, um, you know, substance use, that's another thing. If your parents are drinking, if your parents have alcohol, if you're a teenager doing that at a young age, you know. I'm open book on this podcast, I used to smoke weed at 13, you know. And um, I'm only an open book with the kids only because I want to show them that I was your age, we've done everything you've done and we don't want you to make the same mistakes we did. We we want you to be better than what we did because you have people like us that's actually telling you and giving you the correct advice. So these are the secondary uh, prevention, uh, managing risk factors. This is the escalator uh, moment, this is the prevention. So again, uh, diversion from gang involvement, uh, county lines work, everyone knows what that is. And again, I just spoke about his word before, contextual safeguarding, safe places and environments. Again, back to my youth club, I really want to be something that's safe, something that creates opportunities and changes lives um, and creates a safe haven. Um, and obviously really looking at the tackling the triggers of violence. Because um, nobody wakes up one day and just wants to just kill somebody. That's not normal, right? Um, and and looking at it like you could be emotionally attached from it, right? Because um, you know when you go to bed at night and you get people haunting you, that don't go away. So everyone's going out there saying they don't care about killing no one is a liar to themselves. Um, so these are the next prevention ones uh, lists, which is reducing the effects. So again, supporting victims and prevent um, reoffending. Uh, reducing the ability of weapons, we've got to understand where they're coming from and how to control it. Uh, supporting ex-offenders, probation main thing is re-offending, man. The re-offending is high because again, I feel there's not enough um, opportunities for them um, you know, to not re-offend, you know? Some people in the prisons, someone was telling me just now, and even the tiny boost, where I just heard that interview he was saying, that when he was in jail, he was thinking about, how can I come out and be the best? That's just like a, such an ignorant way of thinking. You're in jail for drugs and you're thinking, how can I come out and do it again? Like, don't make no sense. Um, and again, man, like, school policies back to the school on response to violence. So, how would you react to somebody that is involved in youth violence outside your school? How would the school use their resources and tools, right, to support um, youth um, carrying lives or getting through any sort of youth violence? So, this is all data. This is all from the mayor of London, um, you know, and this is all stuff that we can act on to support children and young people so <clears throat> we're really trying to understand the whole picture for me I'm trying to look at everything as one and trying to understand how we can tackle that's what it's called it's called well for me I'm tackling new violence. I've been to so many forums and we're just at the beginning of it let's just be let's just be real um, we're just at the beginning of it so you know if I, if I was to go through a funnel of what I feel is the starting point like i said i've gone through it with is adverse childhood experience leading to toxic stress and again the feelings and the stress they can't communicate it um, at a young age so they act out they're naughty they they, they want attention um the second thing is impaired uh, brain development including impaired functioning so you might be able to have like um negative thoughts you might have low self-esteem about yourself and then go into the third tier, which is where I am, so you can be less school ready. The last thing you're thinking about is school when you've got all of the adverse problems where your needs aren't met, it's not going to work. You might have a mixture of learning difficulties. Um, again, you might have conduct of emotional problems, we'll call it EMSH, e- um, children with EMSH, M- um, so emotional, um, social and emotional mental health. <clears throat> And again, we're going to a substance uh, misuse and risk, risk-taking behaviour, which would be like, obviously, in this day and age, smoking weed and drinking alcohol. So the last part of it um, is the academic underachievement, where you're really just not getting through the school system. So you just feel like a failure, and you just get kicked out of the school system. And that is really like the most... The kids that really are part of the serious youth violets stem back. They all get kicked out of school. They ever had some form where there was a young carer, or there was born into a family of poverty or there's always something and there's not support i feel in an early intervention they can easily get involved in gangs and manipulate because they feel like the gangs are their family they're giving them a sense of belonging they're giving them an opportunity to actually get out of the situation whether it's negative or positive so that's how you really got to look at it remember this thing is not been um changed in the last few years so i'll quickly run through a few book drops before i end so please, if you're really interested in anything I'm talking about, I read a book called Gifted at Primary, Failing at Secondary, which, um, which by Neil Mears, really looked at everything that I'm trying to kind of build on. Is like, you know, the education system started off a certain way and the way by the time it gets to secondary, it's lost. You kill the creativity. Um, you don't really use the four learning styles. i are really forcing kids down a road that they might not even, might not work for them. Let's just be honest. Not all kids are for mainstream education, so... If you really look at what changes in terms of the, uh, the parental connection, if we go from dropping your kid every day, seeing your teacher every day, having a conversation, a dialogue, even if it's small, to only communicating through your child, or only coming because there's an issue with your child, you know? So that's, that's another thing, and obviously it's all about grades. In primary school isn't so much pushed to, you know, pit yourself up against your classmates. Um, the next one would be motivating young black males to achieving life in the school. This is my book. This is my Bible. This is something that I really, you know, because I stuff I talk about in the podcast. Like, most people, were like, every time I see them on TV or, you know, in the newspaper or online now, you know, it's always black faces, black men. Like, we really got to understand that this is a real statistic and we need to look at the whole picture of how these young black men can really be motivated in life and in school. One of the reasons why I'm in school because the lack of males in schools especially in secondary, because in primary is higher. So we need more men, more strong men that can really guide these young boys. And the last one, um, the last two, sorry, is going to be rethinking masculinity in schools and tell it like it is, how the schools feel, black ch- children in education system. So you know, it's, it's, it's tough because I feel like, you know, you always got to find your way in this system. And I always tell kids, man, you can't be underachieving and have behavior problems. It's not a good combination, you know. And who knows, you know, a kid might not look like they're going to go anywhere and one day just light bulb switches two years after you've put the support in and that's only when they're really going to feel it. They're never going to, in my opinion, get it in the moment. Some will have slow progress, go up and down, but most of the time it just goes in one way, doesn't come out of the other, but it goes in the subconscious. And then when they go through something, you'll just hit them. So anyway, the main thing that I feel why... Some of the children having issues with their behavior is because their needs aren't met. So at the bottom, you have the psychological needs, which is breathing, food, water and shelter, and clothing, and sleep. Some children are just not getting that, unfortunately, and their parents provide that. So sometimes their parents are struggling with the bottom part, right? And then the next one is the safety and security, which you get from health, employment, property, family, and social stability. Again, if parents at the bottom are struggling with that, it's going to be very hard. You're not even looking at the top yet. The next one is love and belonging. You can get for friendships, family, intimacy from um, you know, fem- females and males, um, and the sense of connection, man. like That's one of the main reasons why kids come into school. And I believe I'm on the top two parts, which is the self-esteem, which is the confidence, achieving, respecting others, and the top, top, which is self-accusation, which is obviously achieving stuff, creativity, um, the form of acceptance. So I feel like if the bottom part I met, it's, it's, it's a harder battle. I don't think it's impossible, but it's a harder battle. And I feel like a lot of these adverse child um, issues stem from one of these needs or some of these these needs not being met. So if anyone's heard of the school prison pipeline? And this is where I'm at. And this is where I started. I'll be honest with you. A couple of years ago, I started working in school 2019, and um, you know, this is where I kind of started. You know. And throughout the whole journey, even now, I'm working with all of the kids that get sent out of class. That's my job. My job is to talk to kids that get kicked out of class, remove them in another, manage their behaviour throughout the day, really look at the whole picture of that child and get to understand that child, you know what I mean? And again, it always goes back down to their needs not being met. And I try my best to show empathy and support them to succeed. There's always up and down. Behavior management isn't this one big up peak. It's going to go up, then down, then down, and up. One day you'll be making progress. Next thing you know, you feel like you, you know, so it's just part of it again, because when they go home to stuff, you always got to put the extra work in to really fulfill the other need that's not being met, which should be the self-esteem part of it, you know? So the tensions, again, I, I, you know, I attend tensions, Again, all the kids, most of the kids that I out go to detention, um, isolation, which we have there. Um, I had it in my last school as well, where we're really trying to, you know, manage the behaviour. And again, if it gets so bad, then temporary exclusion, couple of days at home, you know. Um, and all the kids I deal with is along this whole path. And permanent exclusion, which obviously what we're trying to really manage, we don't want to get too many um, permanent exclusions and they all manage moves. That's, this is where we're kind of stopping now. Because I feel like once we get to the next part, it's very difficult. Like I was telling some kids today, like like, at the end of the day, our school can only have a certain level of patience. Like we can't always help you and support you. There's all these adults that you know and trust, you've known for years that have always got your back and that's fine. And a lot of kids, like I said, they come from these tough backgrounds. So we're trying to support them and, and be empathetic. But at the end of the day, if you're not learning, if you're not changing, if you're not doing your bit, we can only do so much. We're only human. We've got our own mental health to think about and to manage you on a day to day basis and it's not really um, progressing in the right direction, we need to really address that. But if you 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 know, manage in, if you don't manage in schools, you're going to go to a pupil referral unit where adults have learned to restrain. It's going to be a tough because you're going to be around a lot of people that are going through a lot of issues that you're going through times 10. There's not this mix of kids where you're going to have some good kids, some bad kids, and all of this. No, you're going to have kids in the pupil referral units that are really, really, been, they can't not function in mainstream school because the policies and everything, we've done everything we can from getting sent out of class, and now you're out of, you're off the school register now. And most of the time, they'll be involved in gangs and doing all sorts of stuff. On a high level, you go to a younger fitness institution. There's one in Feltham, I've worked in Feltham. Um, you don't want to be in there. You don't want to go to prison at a young age. I think the earliest point from what I can remember, top of my head, in Feltham is 15 years old. So I've been looking at the moment, the youth justice system, youth court, like again, youth violence, just looking at this whole thing of like, how can you even go to jail at 15? I can't even like begin to think that. So, and again, what we spoke about before is going to prison and reoffending and going back to prison. So, I'm trying to look at the whole thing, like I said, from the school to prison pipeline. I'm starting at the school. I'm starting at the first four things that I mentioned. Working hard and resiliently is very difficult. You need a lot of patience, right? You need to be persistent every day. You need a lot of mental strength for that as well, and I feel if you're not a strong character or a strong person, you can easily fold. What ma- what what make you or break you? So I'm gonna leave you with this: if you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it. This is Jerome from Desire to Spire podcast, and I'm out.